welcome back to another episode. Even though this episode we're going to take kind of, well, not a different direction, but there's going to be kind of a turn to this whole month. So to recap, for anyone who has missed my, I'm not sure, but three announcements of not only the topic, but also why this is going to be kind of different than usual. This month we're going to be talking about Wattpad books. By that I do not mean books published by Wattpad, but books published on Wattpad, the site itself. Not even paid stories, just by independent, sometimes even teenage authors. Not fanfiction though, because that would be a whole nother month. And we're going to be talking about that, except for today. Today we actually have a physical book here next to me. And we have that because a few months ago, actually when I started this, I got an email by someone working for Wattpad Publishing asking me whether I would want uh, a book sent to me to read and review that is not out yet. And I said yes, so we're going to talk about this book today. If they haven't changed their plans due to Corona, this book will come out on May 5th, so one day after this episode launches. So we, so you have plenty of time to listen to this and then maybe decide whether you want to buy it. So I got an advanced reader's copy and we're going to talk about that now. The book is called The Invincible Summer of Juniper Jones. Friends can be found in the most unexpected places. It's the summer of 1955. For Ethan Harper, a biracial kid raised mostly by his white father, race has always been a distant conversation. When he's sent to spend the summer with his aunt and uncle in small town Alabama, his blackness is suddenly front and center. And no one is shy about making it known he's not welcome. Enter Juniper Jones, the town's resident oddball and free spirit. She's everything the townspeople aren't. Open, kind and accepting. Armed with two bikes and an unlimited supply of root beer floats, Ethan and Juniper set out to find their place in a town bent on rejecting them. As Ethan is confronted for the first time by what it means to be black in America, Juniper tries to help him see the beauty in even the ugliest reality. And that even the darkest days can give rise to an invincible summer. So first of all, what we have to remember with this book, before we really start uh, talking about it, and with all books that we're going to be talking about this month, and the next few episodes we're probably always going to talk about two books, since normal books published on Wattpad are often shorter. The person who wrote this is probably not a professional author. It tells us here that uh, she has a BA in, literal, in literally arts and economics from Brown University, but I honestly don't think that makes her a professional author yet. And this is, as far as I know, her first work published. I couldn't find much about the author, uh, but I wanted to mention that. So if we talk about these kind of books, we always have to remember that. It is, of course, still important to give uh, criticism, but uh, we have to keep it that in mind that these people don't have that much ex experience with writing and not to bash on anything, which I never try to do. Also, you probably can already tell from that synopsis that this book is going to heavily deal with racism. So first of all, trigger warning for that. And also, of course, I cannot talk from the point of view that is in the book because I'm white and that doesn't give me the point of view that is in the book. So I can only try to talk about these kind of things when they come up in the book. And I can only try to 
begin to understand what is going on. I will never be in that situation. I, I know discrimination, but not based on your skin color. So please keep that in mind. And if I do say anything that comes off as something it shouldn't come off as, please tell me and I will apologize and make that clear next episode or in an extra episode if it's really much. But honestly, that is please onto you to alert me if I do make any mistake. Also, you might be he hearing some construction sound in the background. I cannot, I cannot change that sadly unless I actually figure out this recording program. But I apologize for it and I hope it's silent enough to ignore. My microphone is very sensible. So let's actually get into the book though. So first of all, I want to just mention that the cover is absolutely beautiful. I'm going to put that up on my Instagram. So if anyone wants to see that, maybe even on my Twitter, it is an absolutely beautiful cover and there has to have been much thought given to it. It's like um, many flowers and we have the bike here that is mentioned and the writing is kind of um, creative and I really don't know how to describe it so I'm just going to put it up on Instagram and if you want to see it just look on my Instagram linked in the description. And the story actually starts in 2015 so a few years later and we see Ethan now old and married and he's been invited to a funeral. So we have, Ethan is one of our two main characters. Of course, uh, you could already conclude that from the synopsis and he's our first main character, that biracial kid raised by his white father and he also kind of raised his two younger siblings and they normally live in Acadia, which according to him is in Washington City. I do not know if that's true. And uh, he has never really thought about race or talked about race. His mom left when he was 10, but he was always proud to look like her in a way. And till one day a kid in school actually made a racist comment towards him. Samuel Hill is the name of that kid. I'm telling you that's because he will come up again. And he's the reason why uh, Ethan has to spend the summer with his aunt and uncle. Because he punched this kid and broke his nose. Our second main character is called, who would have guessed, Juniper Jones. And I actually want you want to read out to you the first time we hear about Juniper Jones. So in this kind of first part that is a bit in the future, Ethan talks about Juniper for the first time. And it's very, it's very interesting how he describes her, so I'm just going to read that out. The girl who breathed into his life with confidence and wonder who took one look at him and knew he was the friend she needed, the girl who changed everything. He closes his eyes and even now, so far removed, he sees her smile. She had forest fire hair and hurricane eyes, and when he met her it was as if his world had been set aflame. She hit him in the best way, like a rainstorm after five years of drought, healing the parched earth with a gentle touch and in the worst way, like an unexpected earthquake leaving dust and debris in her wake. She was in equal parts a gift and a natural disaster. Her name was Juniper Jones. So that's the first thing we actually learn about her. So it's an interesting description that basically tells us she has red hair and I, I don't know if that you can conclude that from Harry Kane, but she has blue eyes. Which fun fact is uh, the least, uh, the least uh, known combination of hair and eye color. As, coming to red hair. So if you have red hair and blue eyes, congrats, you're pretty, 
you're pretty rare, which is kind of cool. So then we have Ethan's dad, Andrew Harper, who has lived in that small town that the book is going to play in for his childhood with his, with his uh, sister, Kara, who Ethan is now spending the summer with. And he has made the decision to drive Ethan down there for three months after the whole incident with Samuel Hill happened. About Aunt Kara, we don't really learn much about her, but the first instance where we meet her, it is say it is said this. A woman with blonde hair and white eyes stepped onto the porch with a wave and an unsteady grin. Her stomach made a wide curve beneath her flowy top, revealing the final month of her pregnancy. The baby was due at the end of summer. So she's kind of your usual blonde hair, probably blue-eyed woman, mom kind of character. And also her her husband, Uncle Robert, is kind of in that category too. So when you picture, at, at least when I, as, not, as a non-American, picture a racist kind of southerner living in Alabama, I picture these two people. So they are kind of stereotypical in my opinion. Of course, I've never been to Alabama and if anybody from Alabama is listening, I know I have um, not really a small amount of my followers listening from America. I'm very sorry, I've never been to Alabama. It might be beautiful, it might be extremely racist like in this book, but also remember that this place in 1955. But about his uncle we learned this. A tall man emerged from a doorway to Ethan's left with the Sunday paper in one hand and a glass of beer in the other. He slouched in a casual button-up shirt, the barest beginnings of a pot belly stretching forward over the edge of his pants. There was no expression on his unshaven face, no shine in his blue eyes as he looked his nephew up and down. So basically that is how I picture a racist southerner dad and a racist southerner mom. They and they are racist, I can already tell you that. They might come off as not that bad in parts, but we're going to have some situations where they say it's to keep appearances up, but also get defensive that um, the town has certain monuments. Uh, let's say that, because uh, his dad drives, so Ethan's dad drives off, kind of unsure whether he should actually leave Ethan there, where I can already say it. It's not the best decision he's ever made as a dad. And in general, he doesn't seem like the best dad. We learned that Ethan mostly parents his siblings and teaches his dad how to parent his siblings. So that is a fun thing. And Ethan kind of plans to lock himself in his room with records all summer. But his aunt and uncle have a different plan. Because they want him to work in Uncle Robert's mall shop. And on the way to this mall shop... We come across we come across a certain thing that I'm going to tell you about in a second, but also we already see the first instance of his dad being kind of a his uncle being kind of a prick because he says this. Well, this town's got a history of trouble with with your folk. And we don't want to see any more of that. Ethan frowned, eyeing his uncle in confusion. Sorry? All I'm saying is we expect you to behave. The rest of the folks in town should barely know you're here. So they already are telling him, yeah, town's not big on people like you, that is based on his skin color. So just keep it down and let not any, doesn't not let anybody know. It's kind of a, it reminds me, because I have Harry Potter lying here, it kind of reminds me of the Dursleys. 
wanting to blend in so Harry is a disturbance. Of course, that's a different situation, but it's, it has similarities, I personally think. And yes, now this is what actually shocks Ethan even more, though. He kept his head down and watched his sneakers cuff the pavement as he followed Uncle Robert. It wasn't until they reached a small grassy area next to the post office that he finally looked up and jarred to a halt. In this clearing, two benches faced each other across a bubbling fountain. Next to one of them was a flagpole, its three flags hanging limp in the absence of wind. On the top, the American flag, its 48 stars lost in the folds. Below it, the simple diagonal red cross of Alabama state flag. And at the bottom, the edges lifting in a sudden light breeze was a pattern Ethan had only seen in history books. A red background with a dark blue X across the center that was filled with bright white stars. Uncle Robert, a few paces ahead, noticed that Ethan was no longer following and glanced over his shoulder in annoyance. Come on, he snapped, but he paused when he saw the path of Ethan's eyes. Uncle Robert, Ethan said, swallowing hard. Why is that here? His uncle straightened, the defensive look coming across his features. Well, it's an important part of our history. It do you well not to disrespect the cultural symbol. Now come on. So we can already see he gets defensive when he sees something like that. And this flag, I actually... I'm guessing Americans all know what I'm talking about, but I personally had to look this up and ask my American friends because we don't learn about your history over here, so I didn't know that, but that is the Confederate flag used by the South in the Civil War. And it is hugely linked to slavery, which is why Ethan was so shocked by it. And his uncle is just kind of brushing it off and he always gets defensive when something like this happens. He also doesn't even really look at Ethan and seems generally uncomfortable around him. I mean, he always kind of freaks when he's called uncle, so he kind of shrieks back and things like that. So he's he's an absolute prick. And yeah, so they want him to work. Uh, they want Ethan to work at his uncle's mall shop. So, but he, as far as I remember, isn't really getting paid. It's just yeah, do that so that you're not constantly annoying us, basically. And Ethan does the morning shift, which according to his uncle is always empty for the, of course, indicating that he doesn't really want anyone to see him. So Ethan just mostly sits around for four hours reading comics. And yeah, Robert flinches when he's called uncle, I've just written here down again. But uh, on the first day in the shop when he walks home, we have another occurrence seeing that the town might not be so friendly and it might there might be a reason why Ethan's uncle doesn't really want him want anyone to see Ethan. A man, a woman and a sweet-faced little boy stepped through the ringing door just as Ethan's feet, feet touched the curb. It seemed as if their necks had been tucked by the same string. Three fair-haired marionettes with piercing green eyes that met his he gaze head-on. Something electric and frosty passed between them. A chill in the summer heat. The woman moved suddenly, one hand gripping her husband's arm, the other flying to her purse. Her son melted into the rustling folds of her dress. The man seemed to grow four inches in fear. He whispered something into his wife's ear, then turned his frigate glare back to Ethan. Keep walking, boy, he barked. There is nothing to see here. Ethan swallowed hard, sweat breaking out on the back of his neck. He hunched his shoulders, buried his chin in his chest, took sweeping steps past the family. It wasn't until he had put a story between them that he dared look back. They were in the same place, frozen, all three staring at this receding figure, wishing him away. That was the first encounter of many. Over the next few days, Ethan's life fell into a routine. Wake up, exchange a few sleepy words with his aunt and uncle, eat breakfast, escape to the mall shop, 
sit for four hours reading comics without seeing a single customer, wait for Uncle Robert to come and take his place, walk home, run home, try to decipher the whispers in the stairs. You remember Andrew Harper? What is that boy doing here? That's his son I heard. Last time one of them was here, it was all trouble. Married that negro woman, god knows why. Too many colored folks moving into these parts. Doesn't belong in our town. He caught words here and there as he walked home, arranging and rearranging them in the back of his mind. With each passing day, he was becoming more aware that there was no one here who looked like him. The stares of the people here, the curiosity wrapped in disgust, was familiar in a deep, ugly way. It was as if some part of him had expected it. It reminded him of the way Samuel Hill and those other boys had looked at him after his parents split up and his mom left town. The same way they had looked at him ever since. Even still, Ethan longed for Acadia, for his next-door neighbor and the cute girl down the road in the mall shop that was packed with people all day long. He missed walking down the street and getting lost in the crowd, being passed without a second glance. He missed being outside without feeling fear and anger resting for control of his emotions, leaving him exhausted and drenched in sweat. At dinner, he fended off Aunt Kara's attempts at conversation and shoveled food robotically into his mouth. Her voice was still too loud. So we could already see this. First of all, again, it was not the, not the best idea of his dad to leave him there because if you think about it, we learned that his dad, Andrew Harper, the, the one also mentioned by the people, he has lived there his entire life, so he knows how it is down there. And even if he didn't anymore because he has, hasn't lived there in a while, he could have asked his sister and she would have told him, no, no, we still don't like these people here. And, and I say these people because they say these people in the book. So I kind of actually really don't understand why his dad had the glorious idea to send his mixed son down there his biracial kid. So this is just absolutely... I mean, you could always say that he doesn't think it will be that bad because he hasn't faced that kind of discrimination since he's white, as we have learned. But I think there shouldn't be much thought to that because everybody, everybody still knows that it's not good for them. I think that much he could have thought. And if he really wanted to punish his kid, I don't know, ground him for the whole summer or something, but it's still better than this because this is actually traumatic for a child. And we never really learned that, but I am guess we learn in a moment that Juniper is 14, almost 15. So I'm guessing that Ethan is the same age, but I don't remember ever learning how old he actually is. But let's get back to Juniper, the only good part of this whole town apparently, because here is the scene where we actually meet her for the first time. Hello, she said, her voice like wind chimes. Ethan looked up quickly, his mouth hanging open and his arms still reaching out to wipe at, wipe at an invisible smudge. He dropped his rag, cleared his throat and stared at the girl who was now sitting calmly on the stool across from him, spinning herself in a slow circle. A volcano of bright orange hair erupted from her head and spilled down her back in loose, messy curls. Beneath the harsh mold shop lights, she was luminescent. I, he licked his lips and tried again. Hi. She swung back to face him, a white crook-toothed grin splitting the galaxy of freckles on her cheeks. Hi there, she said, extending her hand again. Ethan shook it gently. My name is Juniper Jones, but you can call me June, Junie, or Starfish. Or Juniper, I guess. Or JJ. But really, I prefer Starfish. Her accent was just a quiet hint lingering on the edges of her words and her sky-blue eyes never once strayed from his face. He fought the urge to take a step back. 
My gosh, you're sure quiet, she snorted. What's your name? Don't make me pry it out of you. Uh, I'm Ethan Harper, he mumbled. That's it? Juniper cried. No nicknames, no exciting alias. I, my middle name is Charlie? Ethan shook his head. Listen, Juniper, it's nice to meet you. Can I get you something? Juniper again, she shook her head. I've been trying to convince someone to call me Starfish. It's catchy, don't you think? Anyway, Ethan Charlie Harper, I'll have a root beer float, please. Fifteen cents, Ethan said, but her coins were already sliding across the counter. As he put them in the register, he felt her watching him. You're new, she said, frowning slightly as he moved towards the side of the fountain. I don't think I've ever seen you before. And you know, that's pretty rare, Allison. I probably know everyone in this whole town. We could walk down the street and I could tell you. That's Betty, that's Stu and Laura, those are the Shepherd twins. Guess you're not from here, huh? By the time Juniper finished her speech, Ethan had spent so much energy listening that he could hardly manage a response. He forced himself to not. My uncle owns this shop, he murmured. I'm here for the summer. Mr. Shea's your uncle? I never would have guessed. Y'all just don't look the same as all. Ethan studied the dark skin of his hands but said nothing. Not that I mean anything by that, you know? Juniper went on. Some folks you think everyone should stick to their sides. You know, white folks and colored folks. So of course they were real frosted last year when at school and Topeka got all mixed up again. The way it should have been in the first place. Anyway, I thought it was ridiculous that they were so rattled because there isn't a single negro within 20 miles of this town. And Lord knows that they tried to force that here. Half this town would be lined up in front of the schoolhouse to stop it. Whoa, careful there. So we can already see that, I'm guessing, Ethan would describe Juniper as a lot. And I agree. So she is a fast-talking, kind of weird little girl. But she's, I personally think she's sympathetic. Of course, uh, especially if you haven't made the best experiences so far with people in town, he is kind of cautious but she has already said that she doesn't think that there should be all this segregation because according to wikipedia this is still when the whole jim Crow segregation laws were going on so that is uh, we also learned from juniper herself that in some parts of alabama that is especially the law it's not that bad in small towns but it is, in general, still the law and he just doesn't know it because his dad never told him and he lives in a town where it's not that way anymore. So, according to Wikipedia, these ended in uh, 10 years later in 1965. Which isn't really fortunate for Ethan here. But she kind of wants to, she wants to become friends with him and she wants to make the summer invincible with his help because she is, uh, she's kind of a free spirit she loves her town even though the people there aren't the best and she time and time again tells him she wants to show him that there is more to Alice in Alabama so this town that they're in than meets the eye and wants to show him the beauty of this town and why she loves it even though the people are horrible and he thinks she might be crazy which we can probably all understand but he agrees and even Robert seems to like her and mentions her aunt, who from the looks of it she takes care of. We never hear about her parents for the first for the first uh, half of the book. We only learn that Aunt Kara was friends with her mom in grad school. But apart from that, we only ever hear about her aunt. And we're actually just talking about half of this book so that I don't spoil too much of it. But so I 
don't say, won't say anything else about her parents because I don't know anything, at least not anything I will share. <laughs> but let's get let's get going. The owner of the jet. So uh, then we have a scene where so far we've only ever seen Ethan in the mall shop and in his aunt's and uncle's home, but now he wants to take a quick stop at the general store to see if they have uh, comics because Ethan is a comic enthusiast. So he goes to the general store, the only real store around, and Abrams, the owner of the store, is a sympathetic man who is actually one of the, is actually the second person in town. They are really being nice to him. And it would probably be a friendly interaction and everything if then this didn't happen. And it's just real tragic, a woman was saying as she swept into the store. Ethan recognized her as the woman from the family he'd seen on his first day in town. She had a white hat on her head and was dressed in her Sunday best. Ethan dropped the comic and hunched his shoulders, wishing he could dive between the fishing poles and sewing kits and disappear before she could notice him. Thankfully, it seemed she was making a beeline for the other end of the store. It really is, another woman agreed, her voice affected and nasal. The boy shouldn't be in this town. Horror sank deep into Ethan's gut as he realized they were talking about him. Sweat collected on his upper lip as he glanced around in panic, searching for a way out. He couldn't let them see him here. He didn't know what he'd do if they did. The door was blocked as more women filed inside. If only he wasn't Kara's nephew, another woman inserted. Then we would get him taken care of, just like the last one. She laughed, and though Ethan had ducked behind a row of beans and soup, he could read the smugness on her face. The others murmured their agreement. Ethan slouched down an aisle away from the woman, catching a glimpse of Abrams from between the cans. The man was staring at the group of women with dark disdain. Taking a deep breath, Ethan waited until the women's voices had drifted to the other end of the store, then stepped away from the cans, ready to make a quick getaway. His heart was in his throat as he edged toward the door. He made it halfway there. Then the first woman said, Cara, you poor thing. And the familiar voice had responded stopped Ethan in his tracks. Yes, well, Aunt Cara laughed nervously, her voice growing closer as they turned to the next aisle over. When Ethan squatted a little bit and squinted through the cereal boxes, he could just see them walking in a colorful huddle. Some things can't be helped, Aunt Kara continued, her voice artificially bright. Through the gap in the shelves, he saw her wring hands in front of her stomach. Well, it could've, the second woman soothed, wrapping her arm around Aunt Kara's shoulders. If your brother hadn't, she tilted her head with a knowing look. You know? Another nervous laugh. Oh, Elizabeth. Aunt Kara murmured, you know my brother, he was always the reckless one, even when we were kids. Does it really surprise you? Of course it surprises me, Elizabeth said, shaking her head. I knew your brother was a troublemaker, but to marry a negro woman? To bring mixed breed children into the world? No offense, of course, but when he left Allison, he must have lost his mind. Aunt Kara said nothing. She didn't have to. Aunt Ethan had heard enough. Blood rushed hot through his head and pounded in his ears, turning the rest of their conversation to waves. He had just enough sense to hold his tongue against the anger, to wait until they had walked in into another aisle before bolting out the door. He didn't wait to see if the ringing bell had alerted him to his presence. He didn't care. His feet hit the sidewalk and he kept running until his legs had carried him all the way home. Ethan, of course, again is shocked by that, because, as he tells us himself, he knew that he made his aunt uncomfortable, but he didn't know how much she, well, hated him. And for a child that is probably 14 years old, again, we don't, I don't think we learn how old he is, that is a huge traumatic experience, and 
this kid needs therapy after this. But also, this is just absolutely horrible by his aunt. And the thing is, she doesn't really apologize even. They just say it's complicated and that's just the way it is around here. But honestly, that is no excuse. And they also later, his uncle says, it's just to keep appearances up and again, no excuse and still a horrible thing to say about your own family. Because no matter how extreme your views are, it is still your family, I personally think, and this is absolutely horrible by her to do. I know there are people like that still out there, and those people I would just like to ask, are you mentally okay? Because I don't get how you can hate a family member so much for something they can't control. And even if they could control it, I mean, still. I personally never think that skin color should be something to be, uh, to be so problematic about. Because it's just skin color. But it is easy for me to say that as a white woman, so... Yeah. Ethan feels, of course, betrayed by uh, not only his aunt and uncle, but also his dad, who time and time again we have concluded that hasn't probably really thought about sending his kid there because that is a stupid decision he made. But he's still sent him there and Ethan thinks that his dad probably thinks he deserves that. Which, honestly, it might be even worse than hearing, your, hearing that your aunt hates you because that is his father. And he isn't really feeling well after all of this and it is probably a good moment for our favorite crazy girl, Starfish, to jump back in. Because uh, he's back at the mall shop just kind of going around his day and she jumps in asking him to try weird flavor combinations that end up being absolutely horribly disgusting and tells us that she also isn't really is really liked in that town and that everybody thinks that she's crazy and she doesn't have any friends her age and it's just absolutely sad they kind of cheer each other up a bit and again make a deal to make the summer better and invincible and let her show him what is actually about what is actually nice about Allison and now we get another extra scene change kind of, so it is not the general store, though we visit that again and Abrams, ba the owner, basically tells him to maybe stay away from the store to not repeat um, an incident like the last time he was there or something worse if the people actually know he's there. And he makes a little, let's say, retreat to the, wood to the woods where uh, Sally, he doesn't end up being alone either because he comes across three kids two boys and a girl so the girl must be the girlfriend of one of them and this scene uh, once again shows us that honestly when parents have extreme views they are often shared by their children so if you're a parent that has uh, for example absolutely hates let's say the harry potter books and you never let your kid get in contact with them and just trying to find an easy example. If you never let your kid come in contact with them, always tell them how bad they are and tell them what is bad about them and things like that and never let them see the good side of it, then they will probably hate the Harry Potter books too and give that onto their children and that is how this kind of works here too. It is of course a bit more complicated, especially if it's relating to humans. 
but I'm guessing this is an understandable example because the influence of parents matters a huge amount and the opinions and views of parents that are shared with their children can influence them so much with it which is why it's always also important for schools to not to not uh, encourage these kind of mindsets and rather show th show them that open worldness is a way better mindset because kids kind of have to also evolve and build these kind of mindsets on their own this is important for their development i personally think but these kids have apparently never had that because this happens well would you look how it is he drawled dropping the god's arm the new kid i've heard about you ethan's feet itched to sprint away but he held his ground gripping the back tighter in his hand the boy came close and looked ethan up and down anyone ever tell you we don't like your kind coming around here Alex, look at this kid. He beckoned to the other boy, who sauntered over with that predatory smile. Only the girl stood off to his side, staring pointedly away from Ethan, her arms crossed over her chest. Hey, Blackie, the blonde boy jeered, leaning in toward Ethan's face. Why aren't you saying anything, huh? You scared? Ethan swallowed but did not respond. He's terrified, Alex shrieked, and rammed his shoulder into Ethan's. Shocked, Ethan stumbled back, his heart beating relentlessly against the butterfly bones of his ribcage. He couldn't respond now even if he wanted to. His anger had stunned him to silence. When he didn't react, the blonde boy's face seemed to catch on fire. His cheeks turning red and his eyes flashing. Say something, he ordered, shoving both of Ethan's shoulders with the heels of his hands. Come on! Ethan gritted his teeth. His free hand was a fist at his side, but he thought of Samuel Hill and took a deep breath. He couldn't lose his cool, especially not here. All right, the blonde said. All right, seems like if you don't care about anything... So I guess it won't rattle your cage if I say, do this. His arm shot out, dripping the bag from its handles and out of Ethan's grip. What do we have here? He pulled out the Oreos as Alex looked on, snickering. Babe, you want us? He didn't wait for the girl to respond before tossing the box over his shoulder. She had to dive forward to catch it before it hit the ground. Ethan glared at her. She crowded the cookies to her chest with an almost helpless shrug. Next to the boy's hand found the potatoes chips. Potato chips which he looked at for a long moment before dropping them unceremoniously to the ground and planting his boot in the center of the back. It exploded, letting out a loud pop and sending shards of chips scattering across the dirt, an arm uselessly toward the ground. Ethan couldn't help it as he cried out, Hey! and reached an arm uselessly to the ground. He speaks, the blonde cried, pulling out the bottle of coke and handing it to Alex. Alex somehow managed to remove the sealed cap with the ganache of his teeth. He sped it onto the ground and took a long swig. Finally, the boy pulled out the comic and tossed the empty bag behind him. Captain America, huh? He nodded slowly. Yeah, all right, I'll take that. He folded the comic down the middle and shoved it into his back pocket. Fury clouded Ethan's vision until the three kids were just a blur in front of him. He thought, wished that molten lava might stream from his ears and pour down his shoulders and onto the road to consume his tormentors. Give that back, he said, barely hearing his own voice. What's that? One of them taunted. What do you want, Blackie? Give that back. Ethan repeated, taking a step toward him. The boys clearly unbothered laughed. Give that back, Alex taunted the coke slashing onto his hand. That was it. Ethan couldn't let this hand slide. He made a fist so tight that his nails stuck into his palms and reached back his arm. It was then that a pair of tires squealed to a stop just a few feet from where Ethan stood. 
When the dusk cleared, he saw Juniper Jones, her fiery head framed by the mid-morning sun and a hard frown on her thin lips. So she interrupts them and basically asks what is going on, so they start taunting and picking on her, instead calling her starfish but in a demeaning manner because they too think she's crazy and just, well, crazy. And she's, well, the town's resident oddball, but so, but first she doesn't let anyone say anything to her till they take it a bit too far by saying that. Give Ethan back his stuff. Hmm, Noah pretended to think for a moment, rubbing his chin theatrically. I'm gonna go with... No. And of course you're buddies with the Negro. You make a perfect pair, two people who should have never been born. Juniper blinked as though she'd been slapped. Hey, Ethan said roughly. roughly. Keep the stuff, whatever, I don't need it, but get the hell away from us. After that they do get away because something in his tone must have conveyed the seriousness of the situation. But just think about that. It is said that these kids are a bit older than Ethan himself and I'm still guessing that Ethan is the same age as Juniper. So you have two maybe maybe 15, 16 year olds telling two 14 year old kids that they shouldn't have ever been born based on one of them their personality and the other one just his skin color and that is just absolutely crazy. And of course this still happens but just please think about this situation for a second. Try to put yourself in uh, any of the positions especially Juniper and Ethan's position and just think about what this might do to you if uh, you were their age and their situation. So I know from uh, analytics that my user base is mostly uh, is mostly 17 to 20 year olds according to Spotify at least. So uh, just try to think back to when you were 14, 15 and think about hearing this. This is absolutely, I mean, I myself have been told to just drown because people don't like me, but um, this is, this was just because someone don't, didn't like me. This wasn't because I uh, was being especially extroverted or anything else. She just didn't like me. Uh, but just think about this for a second and think about if you really would want this to happen to anyone, even... Uh, honestly, I wouldn't even want that to happen to people I don't particularly like. But it gets better again because uh, time and time again Juniper has promised to show Ethan that there, is, that there are nice parts to this town and a day later she actually follows through on that promise. Because, um, well, first we have a little family home situation where we see in the news, which is why I have mentioned the segregation laws already, that a... A few towns over, a young girl was taken into custody from her school bus for a Rosa Parks-like situation, so she didn't want to give up her seat for a white woman, and they have still the law that uh, black people have to sit in the back and white people in the front. So that is why I mentioned that the segregation laws and Jim Crow laws are still going on in those parts of America. So, uh, yeah, and according to Wikipedia, again, they were completely abolished in 1965. Some history information here. And this book plays 10 years before that. Ethan can't really believe it, is completely shocked again. So I think that this is actually the perfect, the perfect moment for Juniper to jump in because early the next morning at 6, 7 a.m., something like that, she comes to his window and after he let 
after he lets her inside, tells him to get ready because uh, she wants to take him on their first adventure. So he quickly gets dressed and without even telling his aunt and uncle where he's going, which according to Juniper is no problem because they love her, as we've already seen, um, leave towards the lake. And he actually remembers his dad telling him about that lake, but he thought it just had vanished because nobody had told him about it anymore. And uh, they just kind of, they go to uh, the boat house where we meet Juniper's only other friend, Gus, an old man with a bad knee. Which is why he can't go on adventures with her, but he has named a boat after her, which is absolutely sweet, the SS Juniper. And they take that boat and drive out onto the lake. We also learn that Juniper can't swim, which makes this uh, an interesting situation because, well, she apparently spends a lot of her time on that boat, but she can't swim. She wants to learn that this summer. And they, she has brought biscuits, so they just kind of lie there, look at the clouds, and we learn her plan for this invincible summer. In the past hour in between cloud watching and biscuit eating, Juniper Jones had laid bare her invincible summer, piece by piece. She'd been thinking about it, she said, since that day at the mall shop. Ethan wasn't sure how she remembered it all. She wanted to have a race through the entire town with holding kites. She wanted to organize a sock hop night at the mall, to plant sunflowers on every front lawn in Allison, to paint a mural on the empty wall outside the general store, to climb to the top of Big Red, allegedly the tallest tree in all of Alabama. She wanted to go to the movies in Montgomery, learn how to use a record player, read 21 books in a week, put on a puppet show, and the list went on. She'd scatter her ideas through their conversation like she was coming up with them on the spot. And that's why Mrs. Westbury has warts on her feet, she'd say. Also, I want to knit scarves for all five of Mr. Callahan's new puppies. I don't know how to knit, though. Oh, that too. I want to learn how to knit. Ethan wasn't sure how, but something about the upside-down and sideways way she spoke made sense to him. He mentally made note of all her summer plans that were plausible. When she suggested holding her breath for two hours, he carefully dissuaded her and did not once wonder if they would actually follow through on all of them. She made it all seem effortlessly possible. At one point he had said, you know what we should do? We should get a really long piece of paper, like a scroll out of an adventure flick, and we should write everything down. We can hang it up somewhere, and every time we finish something, we can check it off. At this point, they are three weeks into a three-month visit of Ethan, and um, they have made all kinds of plans for summer, and that is actually where I'm going to leave you guys off. So, um, we get, before that, we get another little call from Ethan's dad, talking about his mom a bit, and how and we learned all those things I've told you that his dad never really was a dad to him. But I wanted to leave this off on a happy note, so just picture these two happy little children lying in a boat on a nice lake surrounded by woods, thinking about their summer plans without any worry for a second and accidentally dropping biscuits into the water because none of them can throw or catch a biscuit, apparently. Very cute. And now let's get to the actual general opinion piece of the book. My opinion of the book, basically. So, I'll be honest with you, when I got an email from Wattpad, I've been reading on Wattpad for years now, I know the old, old Wattpad, I have even years and years back published my own fanfiction on Wattpad, like one or two, and so I didn't really have the highest expectations, because, uh, well, I've 
seen half read one other book that was published actually by Wattpad and that is After by Anna Todd. I think most people know that. I haven't seen the movie but I've read part of it because someone had it with them in school and I was curious and I absolutely did not like it. And I thought this was gonna be like this but it's also just not my type of book so and we're not gonna be talking about this book this month because I don't want to talk about that. That would be a hateful episode and I don't want to read it. But um, that was kind of where my expectations lay for when, when Wattpad told me, hey, can we send you a book and you review it for us? But, and so I was pleasantly surprised actually because this book is very beautifully written, first of all. I like the characters because, well, apart from aunt and uncle who do feel like Alabama stereotypes to me personally, as someone who's never been to Alabama again, but the main characters and the important characters feel very um, 3D and these children really feel like children which makes it more pleasant to read but also makes the situations that they get into worse and again easier in a way to understand personally because I think the mindset of a child is always easier to get into especially if you're younger yourself. So I think this is the perfect age they choose and there isn't really any romance in this book. Also spoiler alert the woman he's later married to is called Eleanor, so that is not Juniper, they do not get married, which I actually like. And yeah, so I would definitely recommend anyone to read this book, and especially if you're interested in these kind of topics or just like these kind of stories, and kind of a bit older, adventure-like, children, might even be, yeah, it's a summer book I would say. So it comes out on May 5th unless they have changed their plans. And you can probably just buy it online or when the bookstore is open again in your bookstore if it's a bit bigger. And I would definitely recommend it. So again, the title is The Invincible Summer of Juniper Jones by David McQueen. I'm going to put that again as the title. But yes, so I'm guessing this is uh, the end for this episode. I have only a little, not, not announcement, but a little story time for the end. But for anyone who just wants to listen for the book, you can go now. You can uh, always um, leave me a message on Twitter, Instagram, send me an email. Everything is always linked in the description. I might even link to uh, a shop where you can buy this. I do not recommend buying on Amazon because Amazon's boss is a... Yeah? Uh, eat the rich. And... <laughs> just kidding. But yes, yeah, so... And for anyone who is interested in... Um, going to tell a little funny story because this is actually the fourth time now that I am recording this episode. For anyone following my Instagram or Twitter, Twitter, I know that nobody follows me on Twitter, um, one person does, you might have seen me yesterday go off a bit about Audacity because they have deleted my audio file three times. I saved it multiple times each recording and luckily the last recording was only 10 minutes long and not almost an hour like all other ones because that is normally how long an episode is and they are uncut and they were uncut but it just up and gone they said this and this is missing and suddenly I didn't have it anymore so if anyone knows why Audacity hates me please tell me or if you know how to work Audacity because I don't I'm still figuring that kind of out and I know the audio quality of this isn't the best so far but well 
soon I'll be in a new space and hopefully with a better microphone. I'm kind of saving up to one right now, so we'll see how this goes on. And even though there are not many people listening, I'm happy that there are at least a few people. And I would really be happy to hear from some of you, even if it's just, uh, even if it's just, uh, I hated that you said this uh, about this book. I got, yeah. I'm always happy about a response or criticism or anything. I got one really nice person on Instagram telling me that they liked my, um, I think it was the, it was the um, episode about the Magnus Bain book. But, and I'm always happy about that kind of thing. But yes, yeah, so also still you can send me your favorite Wattpad books. I've gotten about three or four already and I put them in my story on Instagram and say if they're if they can go on the list or if they don't meet my qualifications. So unless it's not paid story, fan fiction and doesn't have any specific triggers like rape or incest or anything, I will not read that. I will probably put it on the list and yeah we'll see. I already have chosen the books for next week and we'll see each other again then. Have a nice day guys. Have a nice week well. Goodbye.